Hello yeah. and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today we've got a special guest, Christina Hills from WebsiteCreationWorkshop.com. Thank you for coming on the show, Christina. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Well, we've met before. Um, my business partner actually met you at a WordCamp in uh, Los Angeles, I believe. But um, you you help other people come online and you've had quite the online journey yourself. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, again, my name is Christina Hills and I've been teaching online for 10 years. And the way I got started, let me just tell a little bit about my story. Uh, the way I got started uh, before I was teaching WordPress, I was actually teaching shopping cart setup. So my first business, I was the shopping cart queen, and I helped people set up their online shopping carts. And this was before Stripe and uh, all those other easy shopping carts. And this is back when you had to hire a coder to build you a shopping cart secure server. So there was a system called One Shopping Cart, and I became an expert in that. So I decided to niche as the shopping cart expert. And one of the things, one of the problems that people had was they wanted to sell online, and they needed a shopping cart, but also they had a problem with the website integration. So I'd say, okay, your shopping cart is set up. You know, here's the codes. Just copy and paste this HTML to your website, and they would like, you know, drop, fall down, I can't do it, I don't like my web designer, you know, all the kind of crazy website stories, right, we hear, hear all the time. Either they can't do it, the tech is too hard, or they don't have a good relationship with their web designer, right? Common, common story. So then I decided to run this little class, hey, why don't I teach them WordPress, then if they know WordPress, they can get their shopping cart connected. And what happened is I discovered that creating the website was way more creative than doing the shopping cart part, right? I mean, it's really, it's not that interesting, right? You set it up, you put a buy button on and you're done. Whereas creating a website, you know, that gets into sort of who you are, what your message is, design flow. I know you're really big on design flow. Right. So there's a design flow for your course, but there's also a design flow for how your website is. So I was I, teaching the class. I taught it a couple of times. My WordPress training got bigger and bigger, and I eventually dropped my whole shopping cart queen website and persona. I mean, I think it's still out there, but uh, I don't I don't do that anymore. I just focus on helping people build their websites with WordPress because WordPress is easy. Not only is it easy to use, but it's so deep. You know, WordPress is this deep ocean that you never, you never hit the bottom of it. There's always more you can do. So that's how I started teaching WordPress. And I've been doing that for 10 years, mainly to newbies who are afraid of technology, mainly to those folks. That's awesome. Well, I, I really want to get into your story and your journey and uh, and the people listening, you guys can learn something along the way as we kind of unpack 
uh, certain experiences you had, lessons learned, uh, doing things the hard way, things you've, where you found success with your students. Uh, but one of the things we talk about frequently on this podcast are the four building blocks for a successful online course project or learning platform or online school. And it's very rare that all of these qualities are in one person, which means most, in my experience, from what I've seen, a lot of times people end up partnering on project or hiring freelancers or other businesses to help out with the various pieces. But from what, from my perspective, these four pieces are community building, uh, having a, an expertise uh, or being, a, you know, your, whatever it is that you're so great at that you're going to teach uh, the instructional design piece, the packaging of the of the course, creating the course content, the strategy around the curriculum and engagement, and then the fourth and final piece is the the online course delivery system, the membership site, the uh, learning management system, the technology stuff to actually launch it, sell it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually deliver the training. So let's go back to that first one. What what has been one of your um, what have you learned about community building? How do you build community? How did you build your email list? How do you get people to resonate with you or, or just naturally attract them? What's your experience with community? So community building, you've got to sort of, and are, and are you talking about community building for people in the course or community building for people before they're in your course? Cause there's a people sort of outside your world that are on the peripheral and then they come into your world. So I, I see them kind of as two different things. I'm talking about more uh, people who, who aren't necessarily in your course yet and how you position yourself also in your general industry. And I, I do think in some ways the people who are in your course, you know, they become a more inner circle part of your community. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like, how did you get going? Like, how, how did it all start? How did the, you know, the shopping cart um, queen, like you were probably doing it for yourself first. And then somebody asked you, Hey, can you help me? And that's one person. Now you have this big audience. Tell us about it. So, uh, so before I was a shopping cart queen, I was a web designer. So I, I actually, and then before that, so my background is in special effects for film and television. I worked for George Lucas's company, Industrial Light and Magic, and had a great career as a uh, online special effects person. But then I had a baby, and I quit that, and I and so I was like, okay, now's the time to be an an online entrepreneur working from home. So I started out as a web designer, building websites for people. Then I discovered the shopping cart and got into this I better niche idea. So became the shopping cart queen. But then I sort of outgrew that in a way. I, I outgrew that. But I did build a list. I built an email list of people interested in getting their shopping cart set up. How'd you do that? Um, Through blogging? I kind of found I set up an opt-in box, put it on my website. I started to go, I started going to conferences. I think that would probably be the first way I, I got it going. I would go to a marketing conference, introduce myself, 
as a shopping cart queen, had an opt-in box on my site for, I even forget what it was, a free report. And I also did live teleseminars, which now people do webinars, but back then it was teleseminars. So it's sort of built slowly, kind of word of mouth, you know, having something that people wanted to be a part of, which was a, a, a teleseminar. And, and this podcast is in a way a version of that. It's sort of, it's a, it's an event, right? You and I are doing an event right now and people are listening to us. So having an opt-in box, holding frequent teleseminars, having a report, and then getting out there and networking with folks. And it's just sort of slowly built. And then getting referrals. So to to switch from, and I was teaching a shopping cart course. So I had, before I was teaching WordPress, I was teaching a shopping cart course, which now when I talk about it, it sounds so boring. Like, why would you sign up for it? But you have to remember back in 2005, you know, this was sort of the big thing back then. So how did I build the community? So I had a community of people interested in shopping carts. My, the very first time I taught my WordPress training, I had 23 people. I had 23 people sign up. And I think the best way to create a course, this is in my experience, the best way to create a course is get a group, run your course, survey them, what was good, what was not good, retweak it, run your course again, and kind of reiterate that until you get it to the point when you're like, this is rock solid, maybe I don't need to teach it live. You know, I can have it in my members area and videos, et cetera. So you just kind of slowly build and your reputation builds and you get better at teaching each time you do it. And when I say teaching, right, teaching could be live on a webinar, teleseminar, or in person, or teaching could be you're recording your videos and you're putting them in your members area because that is teaching. And people are consuming it, but they're consuming it on their own time. Did I answer your question? Absolutely. And I just want to highlight a few things from from your story. One of it was that you were going to conferences. You were getting out of the building. Um, You were doing things live, even if it was remote, like the teleseminar. Uh, The other thing you touched on was the slow, it was built slowly. And it started with you know, one person and then maybe 25 people in a room, there's no magic bullet. And then it's referral. And the fact that we're connected now, it's because you were at a conference that my business partner was at a conference. Exactly. Both getting out of the building. (laughs) And uh, it's easy in the online world to, you know, try to build it all in a vacuum or whatever. Nothing wrong with work from home. I know you're really into it as a, as a mom, I'm into it as a father uh, but I still get out of the building and go go to some conferences. And I even just started a local meetup just to see what might happen. And I go to some WordPress meetups and things like that. And then the other thing you touched on was the uh, the continuous improvement with your first version. And I like to say that the launch is really just the beginning. It's not the finish line. So, you know, you really, it's a commitment. And when you commit to that continuous improvement, um, you know, right. that's lots of things can come from that. Right. 
Well, here's an important point that I want to make about expertise, which comes from a lesson that I learned early on. You know, most of us have an expertise from whatever, college, corporate life, whatever. You want to pick whatever your expertise is. You want to pick something you're interested in and passionate about. Don't pick something just because somebody else tells you, hey, there's a lot of money to be made in X. Because it's not going to resonate with you and that is going to come through. Now, you might say, hey, I want to do a course. I'm going to do, create this course. Let me find another person who will be the expert as the spokesperson, right? There's nothing wrong with collaborating like that, where there's a, maybe you get together with a doctor, right? Doctors don't know online and technology and they don't know marketing, But you've got the doctor with the expertise and you build a course around that. So there's nothing wrong with that, health and wellness. But if you're doing it yourself and if you're the teacher, guru, whatever you want to call it, make sure the market and the expertise is something you're passionate about. So I'm going to tell a story. Uh, Early on, someone said to me, hey, you can make money with diet supplements. And I'm like, diet supplements, I don't believe in it. I don't use it. No, 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 you're going to make a ton of money. You're going to make a ton of money. Okay, all right, I guess I'll go into diet supplements, right? So I spent a whole month, full time, right, working from home, right, not making money on this whole diet supplement thing. And it didn't feel right. It didn't resonate with me because, and so... Then what happened is we we had launched, and then all of a sudden the FTC changed a bunch of rules about selling diet supplements online, and I was so happy. I mean, my husband announced this to me. He's like, wait a minute. The company we're affiliating with, the FTC just came down. They changed all the laws, and they're shutting their doors. And, and he thought I'd be upset because I had poured my you know all my time into this. And I was so grateful. I was like, thank you, God. I didn't want to do this. It wasn't me. It didn't resonate. And it was a lesson learned. Don't go into something you're not interested in, passionate about, you're not doing yourself. You know, that is a good litmus test for being successful online. And I don't often share that story because I'm kind of embarrassed, but it, it was an important learning lesson that you know, just because somebody else says you're going to make a lot of money doing X, if it's not you, it, it, it's, it'll, it won't work. That's been my experience. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I think it was in uh, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. He wrote about the hedgehog concept where uh, you, there has to be passion overlapping with uh, market demand, like the opportunity you d- described. Right. And then you have right. to be able to serve that market. So if you, if there's a, you could probably serve the market. You had the skills. Um, it was a hot market, but you, there was no passion. It's a good litmus test. Like you're right. To, right. Uh, to be right. Another, right. And another thing along these lines to ask yourself, would you read a magazine about the topic and would you go to a conference about the topic? Right. If you wouldn't read the magazine, you wouldn't go to the conference. It's not your market. You know, do you like those people in that market? Right? So let's just take two um, different markets. Like 
Um, CPAs, right? CPAs is one, there's one type of person and health and wellness people is another sort of type of person. So think to yourself, is, are those people, people you want to be around? You know, if you're passionate about health and wellness, awesome. You'd love to go to conferences. You'd love to read the books. You'd love to read the magazines. If you're passionate about, you know, taxes and tax laws and, and having numbers all line up and things that CPAs like, you're going to be good at that. So that's my point. Yeah. Would you, that's your litmus test. Would you go to a conference? Would you read a book? Would you, would you read a magazine on the topic? And saying to myself, no, I don't want to be around diet supplement people, you know, helped me get the clarity now that I bring into what I do now, which is the creative endeavor of building a website. Because building a website is not just about the website. A lot of it is there's a lot of self-discovery that people go through when they create their own website. They have to get clearer on, because I teach mostly to solo entrepreneurs, not, not agencies. You know, the solo entrepreneur who's quitting their corporate job and deciding to go online to start their consulting or coaching or, you know, their health and wellness or whatever, there's all kinds of people. They get clearer on who they are, what their message is, what visuals they want to put forward. So I like it. That's why I've been doing it for 10 years. Me too. <laughs> um, I, when I got into the web design and WordPress and all that, um, I was actually living in Alaska. I was running sled dogs. I was managing a tour business. I've always been one of those guys wow. who follows their passion. And I couldn't describe it, but when I started getting into WordPress, I first just had to build a site for uh, a piece of property that I was trying to sell. Actually, that's how I first discovered WordPress. And I just got really interested in it. And I discovered the same thing I think you did where, wow, this whole like web thing is pretty powerful, really interesting. There's a lot of self-discovery. Um, and it's a very creative thing. I would lose hours of my life and, you know, watching self-teaching myself WordPress through all these YouTube videos, which I'm glad you're, you're here now and like, and have a structure around helping people. But, um, I discovered a passion for the online world and that's why I'm still here after, you know, starting to do work online in, uh, seven years ago. I'm still passionate about it. The more I meet the community around it, especially in this, the niche I'm in and the, for the online educator, mm -hmm. they're great people. I love working with them and, uh, it's fun, but that, that fuels the fire for me to continually develop my expertise. And it's not, it's not mm -hmm. like hard because I'm passionate about it. <laughs> right, right, right. It's a, you know, another litmus test is the Saturday morning test. You know, you're laying in bed, it's a Saturday morning. Are you excited to jump out of bed and take action on your business or on the course you're creating? You know, if that excites you, if that Saturday morning, if you pass the Saturday morning test, you know you have a good idea and a good market to, to help serve. That's awesome. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you some lessons learned becoming an expert. As you... You tried out different things. You figured out that um, 
you know, Pat, you needed to have passion. That was really important if you were going to pursue excellence in an expertise or a given field. Um, what have you learned along the way in terms of becoming an expert as somebody who can help, uh, especially the solo operator, new person, you know, just developing your own expertise? What, what would you advise the people out there? Most people are sitting on lots of wisdom, but what, what have you learned about working with your expertise? Um, the number one thing you can do to refine and hone in on your own expertise is to communicate with your customers, like get to know them because they will help you refine how you're teaching and what it is that you do. Uh, and also when I started out, I didn't start out as I'm a teacher for newbies. I didn't start out that way. I just started out as I'm teaching WordPress. And I discovered like your community will tell you what you're good at. And I discovered that I'm really good at teaching WordPress to newbies, that that was really my expertise because I have a style and a way of explaining things that breaks it down to the, for the non-technical person. So people, I've had people who sign up for my class and they're a little too tech advanced and I'm not good for them. But that came from talking to people and getting the feedback and hearing where they needed help. And so really just talking to your customers, whether it's on the phone, in a chat, in an email, however, in a survey, however you want to communicate, that'll help you re refine the delivery of your expertise. That's awesome. And, you know, let's, let's transition over to that third pillar, which is the instructional design. And one thing that people struggle with is, you know, the curse of knowledge and, and talking with or teaching to beginners. That's, that's a strength for you. How, how did you, why do you think that is, or how did you develop that ability to work with uh, beginners? I think what I, what I do, and I do this all the time, is put myself in the mindset of my customers. I'm always trying to look at things from how are my customers seeing it. And when it comes to, you know, designing your curriculum, I find it's good to do it in phases, meaning you design something, right, your curriculum, you put it together, then put it aside for a while. And then come back to it and look at it as if you are your customer. And then you'll see everything that's wrong with it. But if you stay too close to your course, you can't see it. So it helps. So maybe your course has like six modules. Work on a module, put it aside, work on the next module, then put that aside. Then come back to the first module and you'll look at it and you'll go, wow, this doesn't make any sense. Nobody's going to understand this. And so you can then refine it because we are experts in what we do and our community is coming to us for our expertise. But when you're an expert, you know how people have that jargon problem where they're an expert and they're just speaking jargon and then their customers or their students, whatever clients, whatever term you like to use, they're not understanding you because they're new to the expertise you want to impart. 
So it really helps to become a good teacher to put things down and then come back. And it's sort of, I don't know, to me, it becomes fun. It's like I put something together, I come back and I'm like, wow, they, no one would understand this. I need to give a little bit more um, context for this concept I'm about to teach. So that's how I've found what's made me a really good teacher is putting things aside and then coming back. That's why I like to do things in, in phases. Otherwise, you know, you might be listening and, and you might have been working on your course for months and months and you haven't gotten it out. The key is to get it out, even if it's not perfect, because your audience will tell you what parts are good and what parts, you know, you need to, to change. So getting out of perfectionism is super, super important. That's fantastic. Well, let me get your input on uh, an instructional design tool that I use to help experts if they're like, well, I don't know what, how, I, give me a starting point for the curriculum. So uh, we, uh, we teach uh, three or four different types of courses you can do. One is called a resource course, which is like basically a library of material or lessons that can be taken in any order. In my opinion, those are the most dangerous courses, especially for a new expert, because there's like there's literally no end to it. Uh, but it can be very cool too. Uh, then there's the process course, like this is very step by step. If like if you're going to build a website in in a week, here's step one, step two, step three. So it's a very step by step process, and it really should be taken in order, whether or not you have drip content or not. Um, there's a process here. And the third kind is called uh, a behavior change course. So if you're trying to help somebody, um, you know, become a morning person or in some kind of bad habit, there's a way to teach that that may not necessarily be step by step, but it, it, it just has a certain way about um, uh, changing a behavior. And then the, the fourth kind is just a hybrid. It's like a combination of some or all of those, you know, resources, process, and behavior change. How do you teach? It, it, what's your style? And what is, what, um, you know, if you are doing like how to do things, how do you, do, how do you clearly define like what you're going to, the starting point and what they're going to be able to do at the end of the course? Like how do you, how, what's your style for instructional design? Okay. Um, great question. Uh, so I have two courses. I have my beginner course, website creation workshop, and then I have an intermediate course. My beginner course is step by step. Do this, then do this, then do this, then do this, and go in order. My intermediate course is a little bit more, I like to compare it to Netflix, right? You join Netflix, there's a library of stuff and you just pick what you're interested and there's no order to go in with, with Netflix. Uh, what I find is people prefer the step-by-step, -step, especially beginners. They prefer the step-by-step. -step. When folks get more advanced, intermediate advanced, then they like the don't tell me what to do, let me go in my own order, I want to go in my own order. So I think, you know, if you're, everybody listening to us needs to think about, you know, for their, what they're teaching, what would work better. But I find people, lazy is not the right word. 
people like their hands held and they like to know I do this, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this. And they love if they get kind of a prize, you know, or they see the status bar that they've finished a module and now they can go on to another module. That sense of completion through the phases, if you can work that in, they will be more successful. They just like if they can check a box or see a status bar that says complete, now you're ready to move on or take a quiz. There's lots of different ways to do it, but I find the step-by-step works for them because for, for some things you're teaching, people just need to do it even if they don't fully understand it. They just need to do it. And, you know, like getting on a bicycle, you just have to do it until it becomes part of you. And a lot for me with WordPress for beginners, a lot of them just have to do it. Just, just here, publish a post, just publish a post. You'll see the results after you click, you know, publish. So I find step-by-step works the best with, with those little triggers of satisfaction as you go along. So for beginners, I think that's, that's better. That's fantastic. Now I've not done behavior. I've never done behavioral ones. So that's pretty interesting concept. I've not, my course is not like that. I like, I like, but I'm wondering now, maybe I should incorporate it in some behavioral changes. That is interesting. Because part of being successful online is coming up with good habits you know, practice and habits. So that would be a behavioral change. Absolutely. I I like, I I personally like the hybrid where it includes a little bit of all that. And I just want to highlight what you're saying for the beginner. And sometimes in a lot of industries and niches, the beginner's market is huge. There's a big business opportunity. And if you're kind of new to teaching, um, it's, it's easy to start with a step-by-step course. Okay, you're going to start here. You're going to end here. Trust me uh, and just follow the process. And, you know, if you do the work or and go through the steps, you're going to be able to do what I promise you you're going to be able to do uh, in the marketing. And just from having been around a lot of online courses myself, here's a little pro professional tip in describing your course that beginners really like which is just the phrase step-by-step with no step skipped because nothing frustrates a beginner more than going through a process course where that you make the promise. I'm going to give you a step-by-step system. I'm going to hold your hand through whatever the process is. And then if you you don't 100% deliver on that, or you make an assumption or squeeze in some jargon without explaining what it is, um, you know, you, you're skipping and people don't like that. And that's one of those things. I think if you have a feedback loop where people are giving you feedback about what, what they like, what they don't like, people don't like skip steps in a process course. Right. Uh Right. And also in a process course, the more you can keep them focused on their end goal, right? So you have to keep reminding them, what is the end goal of this? You know, what are you going to get at, at the end? Are you going to be a better bowler because you've learned these bowling techniques? You know, are you going to get a website? 
at the, you know, as people are going through what they're learning, what is the outcome you're promising that they'll get if they do the work, right? So they have to do the work. If they do the work, they'll get this at the end. And what will their life look like when they accomplish this thing that they want that they bought your course for? So the more you can remind them on their end goal, that will help them through the, the struggles they may have or the learning the jargon that they need to learn um, to, to get to the end goal. So that, that really helps, which is sort of different than like a Netflix, right? A Netflix, there's not one end goal in a Netflix type of course. You know, you're, the, I guess the end goal for Netflix is you're relaxing because you're enjoying a movie. So different courses, you know, are going to be different. The step-by-step, I, I think that would be, I would say that is my favorite. That's awesome. And I like how you, you as a course creator, you did the step-by-step and then you, you're like, all right, but I'm also going to do the intermediate level resource course, Netflix style. And that allows right. you to really right. relax as when you're building the step-by-step course and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little advanced here. You can just move it over to your, your resource course that you'll create later. And that helps the first time course creator really stay focused. And, uh, well, yeah, this brings up an awesome point, which I want to tell everybody, don't put too much into your course. That's what I did. I put way too much into my beginner's course. And that's why I pulled it out into my intermediate. Because if you put too much into the course, well, they won't buy a second course from you. But also, they'll get too overwhelmed and they won't complete the course. Because you want people to be able to complete your course. So my beginner's course is all about getting your first website up, right? Once your first website is up, now you've got a whole bunch of other things you need to do to market your website. But by having it all together, it, for some people, they, could just, they couldn't get through it. It was, it was too overwhelming. People will be happy with you as a course creator if they feel satisfied like they were able to get it done and accomplish it. You know, I like to compare it to People Magazine. Right. So People Magazine, you know, not very highbrow, but you buy it, you can read it, and then you can be like, I read a magazine. Right. So it's a silly comparison, but there's this like little satisfaction of, I actually read this magazine versus some other magazines which are too dense and then you're feeling guilty. I never finished the magazine. You know, it's a simple comparison, but don't put too much into your courses. Make them where they can make them attainable, people will be happier. And, and as experts, we're like, oh, but there's so much more they need to know. You have to balance that with what's going to accomplish the goal of the promise. Can they get through it? Will they feel happy? And then they're happy. They tell their friends. They give you testimonials. You know, you get to make them case studies for your course. So, don't make your courses too complicated. Well, that's a, uh, that's a gold mine of tips and tricks and lessons learned. Uh, if you're listening, I encourage you to rewind and listen to this section again about instructional design. The last piece 
is the uh, the tech working with technology, creating a membership site, online course delivery system. You and I have an unfair advantage because we are technologists. So it's and we right. work with the tools, and our stuff involves the tools. So we're very much in the insider community of you know building an online platform. Uh, for somebody who and for us, what we found is you either have to do it yourself or you have to get it done for you by a freelancer or another company. At Lifter LMS, we have some done for you services we offer to help that person who is like, nope, I'm not going to get into the technology. They, and so I, I always respect it when somebody tells me like, look, I got to tell you straight up, I hate computers. I can't, I don't want to, you know, try to figure that part out. I'm like no worries, but but you, you got to get some help then because that's that, that's just one of those ones that some right. people can't do. But right, what's some advice you have for somebody who's like, all right, I've, I'm building community, I'm building my email list, I'm good, getting out of the building, I'm going to conferences, I'm getting pretty sharp at my specialty, my expertise. I've packaged, I've got an idea how I'm going to structure my process course or whatever kind of course I'm going to make. How should someone? approach technology and you know is where's the eject button if that they should look out for to be like you know what you're better off just hiring somebody to help you well i teach people to be do-it-yourselfers so i'm a little biased and let me tell you why i think it's important to do it yourself now before i answer that There's nothing wrong with someone saying, hey, I'm new to this. The tech is hard. Let me hire someone to get it set up. But I think the goal should be that you're updating it and managing it yourself. And the reason is, you know, unless you have a huge budget, right? If you got a huge budget, you got tons of money, then that's another thing. You can just throw money at stuff. But what I find is you have an idea for your course. You put it together, but until you see it online in your members area, you can't fully judge it. So that's why if you can do it yourself, it's better because you'll you'll put it together and then you'll see, wow, wait a minute, I have to move this around. Because things need to go from your head, right, to paper and then paper online on the computer on your website. And once it gets up there, you'll see it with new eyes. So I'm a big advocate of doing it yourself because as a course creator, you're going to need to make adjustments. And if you have to outsource that, you know, you give it to them, they turn it around in a few days or a week, and then you look at it again and you make adjustments. Oh, wait, no, this needs to change. Then you tell your outsourcer, please make these changes. and. You have to give them a reasonable amount of time. You know, somebody can turn something around in 24 hours. That is fast. You, you've got an awesome person. But, you know, it's gonna, it takes time for people to turn it around. If you have a big budget and a lot of time, that's okay. But I'd rather be like, hey, wait, wow, I put these modules together. But now that I'm seeing it, I think I really should swap these two modules. It makes more sense. So I'm an advocate of, of doing it yourself or hiring someone, let them set it up and then learn how to 
move things around, but I think your courses will be better if you can do some of the tech, unless you've got a full-time person sitting right next to you and they're your tech. So I know you've got an audience of different types of folks listening, but for me, creating a course, like I consider that my art form is creating a course. And if I couldn't do some of the tech, then my hands would be tied behind my back. You know, I have people working for me, but the main, how the course is coming together, it's all me. That's awesome. I really agree with what you're saying there for the, it's really good to do it yourself if you can, even if you think you're not a technologist, because the very act of like being inside the course building and seeing what tools you have might trigger ideas like, oh, I can actually make exactly lesson more engaging because I can do this achievement thing here or, you know, right. Right. The same way, like just think offline. If you're in a classroom, like imagine designing a course and you've never been in the classroom and you get to the classroom and you say like, Oh, I have like this, these laboratory instruments over here. I have this whiteboard. I have this screen that I could project right. things on. You might right. actually design something completely different than if you were just sitting at home right. adding paper. Right, right, right. And um, I want to make, because uh, uh, I don't want to lose this thought about creating online courses. This is a hot market right now, you know, with, with the way the world is changing. You know, that a lot of people are doing college online, which I could never imagine before. So, you know, Chris, you teaching people about creating online courses is very topical in the world we live in now because more and more people are doing it. So what's going to separate, you know, not you, Chris, what's going to separate people listening to us? What's going to separate you from somebody else? creating an online course, make yours better, make yours more engaging, make yours more successful. That will, that will make you be the cream rising to the top. Well said, Christina. So this is Christina Hills website, creationworkshop.com. Where else can people go to find out more about you and what do, what do you have going on, uh, on online that people could check out? Okay. Well, you can go to websitecreationworkshop.com and see I'm, I'm always teaching new classes. So just go to the website and just look on the sidebar and see what's coming up. Um, you can find me, you know, I'm on Twitter at Christina Hills. I'm on Facebook. Just look me up on Facebook and I'm sort of all over the place re- reaching out for folks. But my main website is websitecreationworkshop.com. Awesome. And I've got beginner classes, intermediate classes. I've got a class on teaching, creating graphics too. So um, I love course creation. I think it's really, it's fun and it's fun to see the results of when um, people are successful. And my, my other tip is when you've got successful students, capture their successes you know, take a screenshot or a photo of them or uh, get a testimonial from them right when they've just completed your class because you'll get the best testimonials. And 
the great thing about testimonials and case studies is they are they kind of market for you, if that makes sense. And people want to know, if I take this course, will I be successful? So often people forget to collect those testimonials. And so you want to get them, get them while, while they've just had their awesome success. Awesome. Well, Christina, thanks so much for coming on the show. And thank you for sharing oh, your you're journey. Welcome. With well, you're welcome. Thank you, Chris, for having me.